0: Hey everyone, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. The best place on the internet to follow the world of professional men's volleyball. My name is Dan, welcome to the podcast. Got a lot to talk about on today's episode in the world of volleyball. Champions League men's starting soon in 11 days, November 30th. Mark it down in your calendar. The fourth round starts from Champions League. We all know that's when the real tournament begins. We're looking forward to that, so we're going to go Pool by pool, preview, breaking down each pool, kind of doing my predictions, talking about the major players for each team, how the teams have been doing in their domestic leagues so far. Then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about Italy, Russia, and Poland leagues. Just touch quickly on each one. Just got back from Italy, got to see a CV Cup game in person, Modena Volley versus Sastamala. Really cool experience. I've never seen a club game in Italy other than the super finals in Verona but this time there were actually fans in the crowd went as a fan this time very cool so I'll talk a little bit about that cuz Modena Volley is going to come up anyway during the podcast that's enough of an introduction let's get into the volleyball talk bit of a quick refresh on the Champions League format and where you can watch and all that stuff for those of you who might be new to the tournament this year. So the Champions League is basically the same thing as in football or soccer. The top clubs from all the domestic leagues around Europe play kind of these tournaments throughout the year to determine the best club on the continent. Now it's not necessarily strictly the best 20 teams in Europe. A lot of them are the best clubs. It's the teams that came top in their respective Uh, domestically however there is a limit on the number of teams that can come from each league so for example Italy Poland and Russia are all capped out at three teams where if you're being realistic probably you know eight or nine of the best clubs in the uh, continent come from Italy and probably you know 17 or 18 overall come from those big three leagues however this gives more of a chance to smaller countries to compete so we do see clubs from Slovenia clubs from uh, um, Hungary, clubs from Serbia, you know, clubs from France, and even though they won't be the strongest teams, you know, it's interesting to see some of their players, some of their teams, so I'll talk about that today as well. Of course, you can watch this on eurovolley.tv. It's the app of the CEV, the streaming app. This year, it's going to be, you know, pretty good package deal. You, I think you can pay 749 euros for the entire Champions League season, which to me is like insane value, so I would definitely pick that up. It's Black Friday right now, so I'm not sure if that deal is going to stick around forever. Definitely, like, that's maybe the biggest no-brainer uh, deal in volleyball this year. There will be commentary on matches of the week. So, at least one match a week with commentary, with great guys like Rob St. Clair. Definitely recommend watching those games. There will be one match streaming on YouTube a week as well. So, you know, if you can't afford the 7.49, I 49 I highly advise you to pay that. Um, You can obviously watch on YouTube each week as well, subject to geo-restrictions. So, very excited for the league to start. ChampionsLeague.cev.eu if you want to get the stats, look at the rosters, all that kind of information as well. And you can, of course, listen to the 5-1 Volleyball podcast throughout the season as well, as well as the A-Space podcast done by the C-E-V, if you want kind of some more behind-the-scenes, in-depth looks at the season. Alright, so that's enough about the format. Let's get into talking about the different pools. Five different pools of four teams each. The best team from each pool advances to the quarterfinals as well as the three best second place teams. So, kind of an interesting format. You're not guaranteed a spot even if you get second place. You need to have that win-loss ratio. You need to have those points. So, every single set counts in the league. It makes it very interesting. Right off the bat, Pool A, I would say, is easily the weakest of the bunch here with Yastrobsi Vigil, Nac Friedrich Schaffen, And one of the teams qualifying from the earlier rounds, which there's two spots given to teams who had to go through a grueling, grueling qualification process, winning, I think, six games to get here. That's Hebar Pizardzik. So my predictions from the Pool are exactly that. Yastrobsi Vigil, easily the first place team. They're 6-2 in in Poland right now. Only losing to Zaxa because there's Nkoshle and Versava. Zax actually was a pretty rough match. They lost 3-0 there. Uh Versava, they lost in five sets. So the reigning champions from last year, who, you know, had a huge off-season move, adding Benjamin Taniudi from Zaxa coming over to Yastrebschy Vegil. They're gonna be a really tough out. And I think realistically they are a Champions League contender. They are definitely in the mix to win it all. We saw a Polish team win last year with that incredible Zaxa season beating Zan and Lube on the way to the championships. And so definitely the Polish league at the top is extremely strong right now. Uh, Jastrzebski vegil I don't know, probably Zaxo looks like the better Polish team overall so far in the season. But also we saw last year that Jastrzebski peaked a little bit later on as well. And of course, it takes a little bit of time, even someone of Benjamin Taniuti's level, to you know get everyone on the same page. Although he did take two French players, Stefan Boyer, and one of my favorite players in volleyball, the magician Trevor Cleveneau, who had a great summer with the French national team and doing really well in the Polish Plus Liga as well. Normally, Nat Kruselari and Friedrichshafen are actually pretty decent teams in Champions League, especially Friedrichshafen used to have quite a strong lineup. However, they're having a really rough go of it in the bundesliga this year started out really rough they've improved to four and three recently after winning their last three matches a couple two or a couple three o's in there the last couple matches although you know to be honest usually friedrich Schaffen is almost undefeated in the bundesliga regular season traditionally not you know the strongest teams in the middle of the table in the bundesliga it's usually berlin and friedrich Schaffen completely dominating however i did have my doubts a little bit with the friedrich Schaffen roster going into this season Even though they have a couple great Canadian players, Blair Band, very high-level libero, Lucas Van Berkel, high-level middle blocker. The rest of the team, I don't know, especially on the wings, was players I wasn't a huge fan of. Uh, Vojan Kacic, I've actually gone to see during Eurovolley several times. I like him. You know, I think he's a Champions League-level player, but he's not, you know, a super-high-level outside hitter. And he's a little older. Simon Hirsch, not a big fan of him. Definitely, you know, just an inefficient attacker. You know, they had Dan Vichic setting. You know, they're they're a good team. They have great middles, great libero, good setter. You know, really good setter player that was, you know, was a huge part of Slovenia's second place at Eurovolley this year. However, we see this time and time again with teams. For example, Modena last year with Grubenikov and Micah Christensen. You know, you can have really elite, top-tier setter, libero, middles. But if those three guys on the wings aren't at a high level, so much of volleyball goes through the outside hitters and opposite that it's tough to be a really high level team, you know, even if they're not bad players, but, you know, not competitive enough to play at a super high level. And that's the issue with the Friedrichshafen roster this year. I really like Mark Lebedou. He's a great coach. You know, hes I think he's going to figure it out. I think they're going to be competitive in the Bundesliga. However, I don't know. that I could see this team, you know, splitting games with Nat Gruselari here and even Hebert think, is a pretty strong team and not making the quarterfinals. Nat Cruzolari, even though they're on paper, their record is a lot better. If you thought the Bundesliga was not competitive in the middle of the table. Yeah, the Belgian league is—I mean, there's almost nothing to take into consideration there. A lot of the teams after the first three or four are, are pretty easy wins. Um, and again, mistake, a lot—a roster that I was kind of questioning going to the season. Usually, they're good for picking up a couple gems, a couple—you know—North Americans that haven't you know proven themselves yet, but turn out to be quite good. But I'm not seeing any real potential with their roster this year. None of the fun, young Belgian guys on this team, like here or Ferry Ragers. And the biggest news, I guess, is no more Hendrik Tuerlinks, who has been with the team since 2008. So, I mean, pretty much synonymous with Nakaruzalari Volleyball over the last decade, going to Leuven, I believe probably for family reasons, but a Champions League and Nakaruzalari icon, Hendrik Tuerlinks. Um, you know, you could always count on him providing a pretty good show. Uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, it's not a terrible roster. Some guys have been with, with the team for quite a long time, but not a roster that are be. being super competitive, but they are in the easiest pool. So they do still have a chance to make it through to the quarterfinals. And I put Hebar Pizardzik, Bulgarian club with a lot of, you know, familiar names from kind of old Bulgarian teams. And it actually, the last three teams in this pool, I think Pizarzik could actually make some noise. They looked pretty good during the preliminary phases they have Viktor Yosefov, Theodor Salparov, Todor Alexiev of the kind of you know Bulgarian national team from 10 years ago but they also have Georgi Georgiev, the North Macedonian setter, brother of Nikola Georgiev, they have Jacopo Massari another blast from the past from Italy and of course Bradley Gunter the Canadian opposite you know not really that high on the Canadian national team depth charts, but he's kind of found his home here in hebar Pizarzik been there since 2018-19, and you know, actually looks pretty good on the team. He's not, you know, super flashy player, he's not amazing, but he's certainly gotten pretty good at volleyball if you saw him play during the preliminary phase, considering, you know, he was never really a huge name coming out of college. So yeah, pool A, weakest pool by, by a pretty big margin in my opinion, only one strong team here in Yastrubji, But Could be interesting to see a race between the bottom three teams, although probably they'll likely split games and none of them make it through. All right, Pool B, we are starting to get more interesting here. This is my ranking for Pool B. Number one, Dynamo Moscow. Two, Versava from Poland. Three, Ankara from Turkey. Zerat Bankasi Ankara, not Hawk Bank Ankara. And four, Mesaik from Belgium. So first off, Dynamo Moscow standing at 7-1 and one in Russia, continuing their great season from last year where they won the CV Cup and the Russian Domestic League over, both over, Zen <laughs> and St. Petersburg in the final. Not quite like the crazy statistical season that they were putting together last year where, you know, Pavel Pankov was league MVP and pretty much the entire team was hitting well above 50%. Although not doing too bad, Sven Sokolov, 46, Bogdan at 53, and Semishev at 48. So not crazy like last year, but still not too bad. Denis Bogdan, particularly, has been a great addition coming over from Novi Erngoy Not the biggest name in Russian volleyball, but he's quietly, you know, he's one of those guys, like a maniac, he's quietly worked his way up the depth charts, getting to bigger and bigger clubs. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he was the third outside hitter after Klyuka and Dmitry Volkov on the national team and got some pretty good burn in some important games. So Russia set an outside hitter for a quite a long time. You know, Semishev too. You know, I, I maybe criticized Moscow's decision to start him over Sam Daru, who I think is the better player, but it ended up working in their favor last year, winning both titles. Semishev playing a big part, especially in the... Uh, Russian championships there. So, you know, maybe a little bit unproven of players, but they seem to be doing quite well in the season so far. So, I think with Pavel Pankov, who I think is one of the best setters in the world at this point, plus Sokolov, plus Laurie Kermanin, who's actually getting to play this year, all those guys should be in Moscow, should for me be the top team in this pool, but also for Sava, obviously a very strong team as well. Doing decently in the Plus Liga so far. Um, you know, that great win against Yastrzewski, like I mentioned earlier. So we do know they can beat top tier teams. However, they're standing at five and three right now. Some uh, fairly, you know, questionable games for Versava as well. Getting bounced pretty easily by both Scraw and Resovia in the Plus Liga. I forget where I mentioned this, but I mentioned at some point that they had a bit of a weird roster configuration, taking both Jay Blankenau and o. And Angel, Angel Trinidad de Dejero, the Spanish setter, you know, both are great setters, both not elite setters. So I'm just a little confused as to why the team would sign, you know, two high-level but not fantastic setters. Um, it's, you know, created a bit of confusion. They've switched back and forth, creates inconsistency for the hitters. So I don't know about that decision. Pyotr Novakovsky, luckily, has not, been, or not slowed down at all. Still looking very good in his old age. So that's good to see. Bartosz Folek is having a fantastic season as well, although he has uh, gotten slowed down by good teams so far. But yeah, the path to victory for Warsaw seems to be fairly narrow. It's Piotr Novikovsky getting like five or six blocks and Bartosz Folek hitting above 50%, then you're probably going to win the game. But if those kind of things don't come together, they can look a bit scattered at times. And Yeah, it's going to be tough for them to get through a very good Moscow team. And in third place, but, you know, still actually a pretty good team here. It's a competitive pool. Uh, Zira Bankasi Ankara standing at 6-2 in the Turkish league, tied with Fenerbahce and Galatasaray behind the 8-0 Hawkbank Ankara. So actually, Hawkbank leading the league, not in Champions League this year, however. But I think low-key, the level of foreigners in Turkey this year is actually pretty high. You can go through the rosters of each team and, you know, even up to the 7th or 8th team, there's still some pretty solid foreigners. And yes, the domestic talent in Turkey on the men's side is not the best. However, it's not horrible either. So actually you get you know, pretty competitive league here in Turkey uh, for Ankara. The one of the players who is like so much better in club than he is on the dom- uh, national team. I don't understand why he's like this, but he's like the king of this, is Wouter Termat uh, second in the league in scoring at 5.75 points per cent. and Basically first place because the uh, first place guy only has 26 points, so scoring a lot for Ankara. They have some very solid outside hitters as well with Martin Atanasov and Oriel Kameho who I feel like this is a transfer not many people know about, but he's playing in Zero Bankasi Ankara this season. And also Benny Tweenstra, who had a great Champions League or sorry, great VNL this summer for the Dutch national team, got picked up by a Turkish club. Probably that that uh, signing didn't happen till after VNL. Um, so yeah, he's he's been actually getting some burn as well. Very very skilled player for the Netherlands. Uh, I talked about him in my summer content as well. Arsene Xc, one of the best. Uh, Turkish Shatters, middle blocker Gunesh, the male Gunesh, who's been uh, one of the best league's best blockers as well. So Ankara, yeah, tough pull for them. Versava, Moscow, good teams. I I don't know. They have to play really, really strong volleyball to take out uh Versalve for one of those second place spots. But, you know, this is one of the better Ankara teams, or you know, it's just straight up a lot of these Turkish teams, I think this year are better than they have been in the past. But, you know, we saw a couple of years ago, a very strong Fenerbahce team that was, you know, with Graham Vygrass and Nick Hogue that was dominating Turkey. And then Champions League came around and they were not that great. So Turkish teams traditionally struggle in Champions League, but I do think Ankara will be competitive. In fourth place, I have Green Yard who, you know, they would probably be a little higher in other pools. This is just a competitive pool. One of the better fourth place teams on the list. I actually have a few interesting players on like Nat who I'll get to in a sec, but they're 3-0 and standing at the top of the very early Belgian league season so far. If you guys remember, they were actually very, very close to beating uh, Dynamo Moscow. Actually, the ending was a bit controversial to go to the CV Cup Finals. And, you know, this team this year, I think, is arguably even better than that one missing the middle blocker Mitch Stahl who is amazing for them but they did get Gustavo the Brazilian middle blocker still some lineup questions with this team however kind of the old versus young with Yolan Cox who's a very solid opposite you know been proven himself in the Champions League before but you also have one of the most exciting young prospects in Europe the very young I think he's still 17 or 18 Ferry Ragers gonna play in Italy sooner rather than later but it's still pretty raw obviously but I do think Ferry Ragers will be the go-to guy for most of the Champions League matches. You also have Liam McCluskey, the another young Belgian guy, a setter who I, who I actually quite like, but you also have him competing with Javed Karim, the Iranian setter who played a bunch last year. They don't have a big banger like with Amir Hosan Esfandiar, the Iranian outside hitter last year, but if Ferry Ragers, like if he keeps developing, he could really be a very high level score, even at this young age in Champions League. We've seen it before, where you know young players like this like Mikeletto last year for example guys are so skilled these days that these young players can come in and make an impact however given the difficulty of their pool I don't see Mosaic definitely don't see them making the quarterfinals Pool C is definitely the one that most people have circled as the pool of death for the Champions League 2021-22 season and yeah I'll read these teams for you and you'll get an idea of why this is so we have Zaxa and Lube after that insane, insane quarterfinals matchup from last year where Zaxa took it with the golden set starting off their championship run. Uh, I actually have Zaxa first over Lube. I'll get to why in a sec. Uh, Lube I have number two, <laughs> Novosibirsk number three, which is Pretty crazy to say about the number one team in Russian right now, uh, Lokomotiv Novosibirsk, ahead of Zenit Kazan, ahead of Dynamo Moscow, ahead of uh, Belgorod, ahead of all these teams, uh, standing at seven and zero so far. I have them in third place. I mean, this is an extremely difficult pool, and I'm sorry to say, Maribor, the Slovenian team, the birthplace or the uh, the club that had Rock Mazic last year, would have actually been really interesting. Yeah, that's going to be a real tough. For them to win, you know, even any sets realistically, so Zaxa versus Lube, why do I have Zaxa as the guaranteed team to go through? Um, it's mainly for a few reasons. One, uh, Lube, if you've been following the Italian league, they've been doing very well, however, they have been uh, having some injury issues, most notably to Ivan Zaitsev, who still hasn't played yet, and Osmani Juantarena. So, two iconic, some of the best players in volleyball period even as they advance in age have not been playing. Gabby Garcia Fernandez have actually been pretty solid for them and Marlon Yant has been very impressive for them as a backup outside hitter uh, getting a lot of time and looking really impressive so far he's you know he's definitely one of the best young players to keep your eye on maybe not the next Leon but may- maybe the next Lial. let's give him that. Lube is also going to the club world championships in Brazil and Zaxa actually Turned it down a spicy piece of news uh, taking place in Brazil, obviously for the European clubs to go all the way to Brazil is really tough, kind of strains them in terms of travel, they have to move games around, they have to play these extra games, it's a pretty intensive tournament, so that could affect Lube's first, you know, one to three uh, matches in the Champions League. Uh, I still think they'll be fine. I still have them second place in the pool over Novosibirsk because I think once and Zaitsev do come back, they're going to be they're an incredibly dangerous team, definitely a contender as well. Uh, six and two right now in Italy. Novosibirsk, very strong team as well. I don't want to like downplay. They would probably be first or second place in any other pool here. It's just Lube and Zaxa are so, so good. And Novosibirsk, another team that seems to play better in the Russian league than the um, Champions League. They've been getting very good performances from a couple of key players, including, you know, one of the most underrated guys in volleyball right now, I think, Drazen Lubrich, who was a beast for them last year. One of the best servers in Russia, you know, kind of getting overshined by Atanasijevic on the national team, but with the way Atanasijevic's career is going, unfortunately, hopefully Lubrich will get a little more shine, hitting 57% in Russia. aces. Of course, we also have Captain Canada, Gord Perrin. Not the flashiest player on the team, but still very, very solid contributor. Hitting above 50% at 52. Not scoring as much as Lubrich, but that's not really his job. He's there to play really good defense, pass really well, score efficiently. And he seems to be, you know, I'm really happy for him because he seems to be quite recovered from his back injury. However, unfortunate piece of news for Canadian volleyball fans. Unfortunately, Gord Perrin will not be continuing with the national team up to like the 2024 cycle. I was kind of hoping that he might have, uh, considering, you know, the Paris Olympics are closer. Uh, Canada has a really good team. But, you know, I can't fault the guy. He's been very loyal to the Canadian national team so far in his career. No complaining. Great leader. Even through injuries and and, and tough personal circumstances, he's, he's always been a guy you can rely on. So definitely... No hard feelings for him stepping aside from the Canadian team. However, still has, you know, a few years for sure probably of good club play left in him, especially if he keeps playing like this. Another guy to keep your eye on on Nvosser you might not know about too is Dmitry Lyzich, a middle blocker from Russia, 213 centimeters at least. So for North Americans, that's, you know, about seven feet tall, maybe a little bit taller. I think averaged over a block a set in Champions League last year. Unfortunately we didn't get to see him much or at all I think during VNL so that was kind of disappointing. That's how a lot of fans ultimately discover new players but he's again leading the league or one of the league leaders in blocks per set. Hitting 67% uh, attack percentage from the field. Very solid guy. Spin serve as well averaging 0.38 aces per set. I think he's going to be definitely a player on the Russian national team going forward. And he's a middle. You can score. You can serve. You can block. That's that's really all you need from your middle blockers. And you can do it all at a high level. And a big reason for Novosibirsk's success. So definitely he's one of the, probably going to be one of the breakout players this season. But like I said, when you're in a pool with Zaxa, with adding Eric Shoji, who has Marcin Giannis, who looks really good. They're 8-0. and in Poland, demolishing Vegel, a match that everyone had circled, thought was going to be competitive, and then Zaxa comes out and uh, absolutely crushes them. Shoji's great on the team, you know, doing a perfectly great job instead of Zatorski. Again, like I said, Janice, actually a really solid setter. I've watched a couple of Zaxa games this year, and yeah, Janice, you know, he's probably not on Tani Udy's level, but I had a pretty spicy opinion the other day in the Volleyball, volleyball Source Discord, of course. Uh, message me on Instagram if you want an invitation to that. Um, but yeah, Marcin Janis, I think if Poland had brought him to Eurovolley and you know played him over Drizia and over Lomash, I think they, they probably would have won the tournament. The way he is running that offense right now. It's not flashy, it's not tricky like Tani Udi, but it's you know extremely solid and, and you know pretty fast paced. So you know, we'll Zaxa losing Tani Udi, losing Jakub Kohonowski, losing Pavel Zatorski, but still, still managing to stay as an elite team also of course got to give credit to coach Gerbich as well for getting this group to gel so quickly. So Pool C unbelievably competitive this year I think a lot of matches here selected as that YouTube streaming commentary match so uh, you guys are going to get to watch some of these and I'm sure at least one game here is going to be a classic. Not to damp down the excitement too much but Pool D not quite as competitive as the last two. Actually. Given the way a lot of these teams are playing right now, it's it's a pretty questionable pool, actually. This is probably the hardest one to predict for me. Um, I ended up putting Zenit St. Petersburg uh, in first place, Berlin in second, uh, Lisboa in third, and Novosad in fourth. Zenit St. Petersburg, even though I put them first, they are, they are struggling in Russia. Tough schedule so far, but they are only four and three in Russia. I'm sure they'll get better, still make the playoffs, but still a little concerning. For a team that was, you know, second in Russia and second in the CV Cup last year and looked really good. I mean, the roster is still amazing. Igor Kobzar, maybe a slight downgrade on Brizard, but not too bad. They added Jenny Gribenikov, finally getting a chance to play in Russia. Added Tina out as well, controversially, leaving Yastrebg Vagel at the end of the season. Ivan Yakovlev, the springy, sensational middle blocker, who I, I can't really say is underrated anymore. You know, I, I talked a lot about him last year during the podcast, but I think after the VNL and the uh, CV Cup and Russian League Finals, I think most people know who he is now. Unfortunately, their biggest issue so far this season has been Viktor Politaev still still injured, you know, pretty much continuing from the injury that kept him out of the final matches of last year and out all throughout the summer. So it's unfortunate, but, you know, at this point, I don't know if you can really even rely on Victor Politaev to be healthy ever. I mean, he's incredibly athletic, super bouncy player. I think up there, top five athlete in volleyball. But unfortunately, he seems to have, uh, you know, knees made of glass. He just can't stay healthy or his back is injured. It's really unfortunate. You, you hate to see it. One of my least favorite things in sports is seeing these incredibly hard-working guys incredibly great athletes kind of lose out on some of the prime of their career because they're just injured so much and that wouldn't be such an issue if they had a really high level backup opposite but they've kind of had to play some weird lineups uh, where Igor Kliuka has been playing opposite for most of the uh, season. Uh, Tina Arnaut and Fedor Vorenkov, outside hitters. So still, you know, a solid three players. But Kluka, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of him at the opposite position. I definitely prefer him as an outside hitter, where he's more comfortable hitting from position four. You know, he's a good enough passer that he doesn't really give up too much on That end, and just like the added value that he brings as an outside hitter, I think is greater than he brings as an opposite. So, yeah, St. Petersburg struggling early on, but if Politaev comes back and is good, they're still a for sure a contender for the Champions League title. And I, I think, I don't know, maybe there won't be first place in another pool, but given the rest of the teams in this pool, I, I, I'm pretty comfortable putting them first. And also, they're kind of interesting to watch, they're kind of like Trentino running uh, some interesting lineups where Igor Kliuka obviously can pass or so they got getting him to pass sometimes. And, you know, just interesting from a lineup perspective as well. So that'll be fun to analyze when they start playing as well. Second, I have Berlin Recycling Volleys currently absolutely crushing it in the Bundesliga sitting at eight and zero 24-1 and one in terms of sets, only losing one set so far. However, we've seen this plenty of times where a Berlin or a Friedrich Schaffen will absolutely dominate the Bundesliga and then it, it doesn't really translate all the time to Champions League. However, still a fun team to watch for sure and I encourage all of you guys to check out at least one or two games on Twitch of the uh, Bundesliga because they're streaming all the matches on Twitch. Really interesting stuff going on there. Uh, they have a pre-game show post-game show unfortunately i don't understand any german but if you do definitely check that out a very american team this berlin recycling volleys they basically took a lot of the best guys who aren't on the national team roster and put them to work in berlin ben patch as we know is kind of becoming synonymous over the last few years with berlin volleyball even if he's frustrating at times he's still i think a very effective player and, you know, you can debate if he should have been brought to the Olympics or not. Probably wouldn't have made a difference given how things turned out. But, uh, you know, he's, he's still very athletic, very fun to watch. Uh, Cody Castle, another guy like a Camille Semenyuk or Dennis Bogdan, who I mentioned earlier, who maybe wasn't a superstar prospect in, as a teenager, but really worked on his game. And I, I really love to see, especially North American players, how hard it is to be over in Europe for a decade, playing for some bad teams, slowly rising up through the ranks. And I think Cody Kessel uh, has really become a pretty good player here. Jeffrey Gendrick after a disaster season in Poland, unfortunately, uh, is looking better against the weaker Berlin blocks. I still really like him though. I think last season was an anomaly for him. Ruben Schott, my favorite player is uh, doing Ruben Schott things. He, he's fine, you know, good, good receiver. Has the occasional highlight play, but uh, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. He's, fine. He's, he's definitely playing well in Berlin this year. Timothy Carley, the French outside hitter, and Grankin, Sergei Grankin, the Russian setter. So yeah, kind of a fun cast of characters. You even have Marek Soltala, a highly touted Czech opposite prospect, playing on the team. They've had a couple really good wins recently against Duren, 3-0, against Frankfurt on the other top team in uh, in Germany, 3-0. So yeah, Berlin definitely looking like the strongest team in Germany, I still don't think that makes them better than Zenit, St. Petersburg, even without Viktor Politaev. But given the last two teams in this pool, Berlin could definitely sneak in here and get one of those second place berths. In pool E, we have Perugia, Trentino, Fenerbahce, Khan. Another really fun, deep, competitive pool here. Putting Perugia first was actually not too difficult of a decision considering they just crushed Trentino three nothing couple just last week basically. So yeah, they're they're looking really good. Of course, maybe the most impactful transfer of the offseason, Simone Gianelli replacing Dragon Travica in Perugia. Just can't even can't even stress how much of an upgrade that is. And they're looking really, really good so far. You know, Wilfredo Leon isn't having one of his, you know, lock-in MVP, greatest of all-time volleyball player seasons. But given that he has, you know, a little more support around him with Matt Anderson, with Camille reitz Simone Giannelli, Oleg Plotnitschke too, who actually is, is not playing every match. He's kind of, we, we, we predicted before the season one guy be between Anderson Plotnitschke and Rich was going to get left out, it seems like Plotnitschke mostly so far. But yeah, I mean, they're a dangerous serving team. They're a really strong attacking team. Simone Gianelli is able to clean up a lot of the errant passes that plagued Perugia last year. So even their out-of-system is just night and day compared to last year as well. I mean, you can make a pretty good case that they are the favorite to win the Champions League this year. It's kind of eluded them so far. You know, it would be a huge Thing for Wilfredo Leon because he still only won Champions League with Zenica Zahn. I know he really, really, really wants to win one, having had a couple of conversations with him about it in the past. Yeah, I mean, Perugia all on the line this year. They spent big getting in Matt Anderson, who's looked good so far. Simone Giannelli, like un- unbelievably good signings for an already strong team. So I-, I think I have them as a pretty easy first place. And Trentino, however, a lot better than everyone thought, as I've discussed on a couple previous podcasts. Uh, standing at six and two in the Italian league, it might you know might even be a better record than that if Micheletto wasn't injured. Who's having you know he's he's already turned into one of the top outside hitters in volleyball, one of the best players in Italy. Unreal for him winning U twenty one. MVP winning Eurovolley, no, didn't win Eurovolley MVP, but he he was an MVP of Eurovolley. Huge in super finals as well. What a year for Alessandro Micheletto. Hopefully he's back soon. Uh yeah, Lisenatch has been beasting for Trentino as well. Ricardo Spertoli is clearly the second best Italian setter as well, running a really fun offense there. Going to the middle of time, going to Pedrashin and Lisenacch. That's great to watch. However, yeah, like I said, we just saw them get beaten by just the unrelenting service pressure of Perugia. And yeah, with Perugia, there's not the weaknesses isn't there anymore. You can't you know serve really tough and force them to play out of system only to Wilfredo Leon. They have a lot more options this year, and with Simone Gianelli setting a lot better. But Trentino, I think, will get one of those second place spots, probably going you know four and two, or maybe even five and one if they take one off Perugia, because I, I see them as a much stronger team than Fenerbahce or Khan. All right, almost done here, guys. Two remaining teams. Fenerbahce sitting at six and two. In the Turkish League, not quite as Canadian as they were in the past, uh, losing Graham Vygras and Nick Hogue. However, they have some fun names on the roster: Yasin Luati, Salvador Hidalgo, a very underrated Cuban player who's played, you know, playing a long time in Turkey, playing a long time in Fenerbahce, and one of the league's leading scorers, having a great season. Even still, he's kind of old. He's uh 35, 30, I think he's 36. So still playing at high level, I guess. Never playing on the national team might be helping with that and Mousavi as well, the legendary Iranian middle blocker. A couple of solid Turkish players as well, Barak Mert, the libero, Emery Batur, the middle blocker, Metin Toy, the opposite. So yeah, great team, just a tough pool. I kind of wish that one of these Turkish teams was put into pool D or pool A, because I really would have been interested to see how they match up against like a, a Berlin or a Friedrichshafen or a Nacruz Unfortunately, they both got drawn into pretty tough pools. So it could, be, it could be tough here for one of the Turkish teams to make it through. And in fourth place in this pool, we have A.S. Khan, who, you know, actually had kind of an interesting roster going into the season. However, nothing's going right for them so far in France. Sitting at 2 in 5, Gabriele Nelly got injured pretty much right away, and they had to use a, a medical substitute on get this, Jeffrey Menzel. Who uh, the University of Santa Barbara, I think, player who we hadn't seen in a while on, on any like legitimate teams, but coming in to sub for Khan, not too much left for for top tier players at this point so late into the season. However, even with Nelly back, Jeffrey Menzel has been playing. They have David Sassenheimer as well. Krasimir Georgiev actually could be probably the best player on this roster, the Bulgarian middle blocker. However, yeah, when you're relying on a 33-year-old Jeffrey Menzel, probably not where you want to be in the Champions League. It's too bad because I think Con, especially la- like their roster last year, would have been really cool to see in Champions League with Taylor Avaril and Lincoln Williams. I think that team could have done some damage. It's too bad. You see this sometimes in like the French and the German leagues, or even I mean, even any league where the team has a great roster, they get the they get themselves they get the club to Champions League. Unfortunately, because they've been so successful, a lot of the players move on to better clubs and you kind of lose the integrity of the roster and what made it so special. And I think that's what's happening with Khan. Tough pool. Could knock a game or two off Fenerbahce, but I think that's probably just about it for them. And choosing these last two, toughest decision of this entire preview. Lisboa versus Novasad. Lisboa third. Qualifying through the first few rounds. Knocking out actually a really pretty strong team in Chez Karlovarsko. Who oh, I really wanted them to play Champions League. Because I wanted everyone to know about Lucas Vecina. The outside hitter. Who I watched uh, a ton of in the Czech Republic for Eurovolley. I was at every match, saw every practice. I think he's going to be really good. I think a little surprised actually. He didn't go to Italy or Poland, or or probably not Russia, but Italy or Poland at least uh, last year. But I think after this season, he will be moving on, probably to Poland, to be honest. Some good Czech players playing there already, like Jan Hedrava. But yeah, Lisboa, Portuguese club, pretty much mostly the same team for the last few years. So even though they might not have the best players, most athletic, uh, they're a little older, but they've been playing so long together both on the national team and on the club that I think that experience really uh, pays off for them. And I think you've seen that a few times um, over the years where Lisboa does actually put up a good fight against stronger teams from Italy and Poland. Novosad in fourth as the Serbian representative. I don't think they're a terrible, terrible club. They have Radu Parapunov, the University of Hawaii, opposite, popular on social media with the out of system stuff great podcast to listen to as well if you like volleyball but his transition to pros hasn't been crazy so far he's been solid and he had some good moments at VNL this year but it's been really nothing to write home about and then other than that as you probably know already uh, not really too many players from the Serbian national team actually playing in Serbia and pretty much no one on this Novosad roster Getting uh, time with the Serbian national team. Even guys like Lazar Sirovic is not playing in Novoside. Even guys like Bozidar Vucicevic, Uh, some of those still good but second or tertiary Serbian players not found on this roster. So I think, you know, they may be more athletic than Lisboa, maybe younger than Lisboa, but I I think the experience of Lisboa will beat them. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter though. I see St. Petersburg and Berlin um, getting through in this pool, but. Uh, you know, there's definitely more upset potential in this pool than some of the others. So I mentioned earlier that I was going to discuss the domestic leagues as well. However, given the length of this podcast already, I'll just be really quick here, just give you one or two quick hitters from each of the leagues. Italy, as uh, there were some big matchups between the top teams. Lube Cipitanova beating Modena, who is having some issues this season, especially considering they have Engapet, Namir, Yohan Lial. Sounds like, on paper, one of the best serving teams we've ever seen in volleyball. However, they're basically just serving errors constantly, constantly, constantly. So that's been a huge issue for Modena so far. I expect them to get better throughout the season, but I mentioned in my League of Volley preview for this season podcast that there could potentially be issues with Modena early on, especially early on. As I mentioned earlier, Perugia also 3-0 on Trentino. So that was another match between the big teams and Piacenza looking quite good in the league as well. That was kind of expected, Adis Mzija, one of the league's leading scorers and Piacenza at five and two. All right, that's it for Italy. Let's do Russia very quickly. As I said, no Viktor Politaev for Zenit St. Petersburg still. Zenit Kazan is looking very good with Michael Christensen so far. Novosibirsk at the top of the table at 7-0. Moscow as well. Kuzbaz Kemerovo, another team that's a lot lower than maybe you would expect at this point in the season. Sitting at 2-5 and five so far. So it's been quite the struggle for Kemerovo. They lost some pretty important players from last year. Like uh, Ivan Zaitsev and Igor Kobzar. and you know, on on paper, you know, replacing that with Alan Souza and Alexander Buko shouldn't really be much of a downgrade, but they haven't just haven't really been able to put it together so far. And I still think probably outside hitter is the biggest issue for them so far with uh, Anton Karpukov, who's had a couple of nice seasons recently, but finally I think age is getting to him and Evgeny Sivoh- Sivo's Sivo's he- Sivo's Helles who I've never been a huge fan of. So yeah, Kamerovo, probably not going to be uh, in 2023 Champions League. In Poland, the games have been coming fast and furious. We've already got a pretty good idea uh, compared to the other leagues of where the teams are going so far. Probably, you know, we have Zaxa, Yastrzewski, and Zawierci with Orozh uh, playing extremely well uh, all at the top of the standing so far. And probably the biggest surprise so far has been Olsten, where T.J. DeFalco, the American outside hitter, is having a fantastic season. They are sitting at 5-2, and, two, and I, I would consider them a pretty good bet to make the playoffs. You know, we knew there was potential with this Olsten team, but I think they're playing even better than we expected and probably not going to be a contender for the title over Zaxa, but still, fun team to watch, especially for the Americans with TJ DeFalco, and Taylor Averill playing another great season. Another player probably should have been on the U.S. Olympic roster. Two teams that we might have expected to have a little bit better of a record this season, Belchitov and Rosovia. Rosovia obviously poaching basically the entire Zaxa roster with Jakub Kohanovsky and Pavel Zatorski two national team starters going there. And unlike in previous years, actually Vrsovi had a pretty good start. However, they got beaten 3-0 by both Yastrebci, or sorry, 3-1 by Zaxa and 3-0 by Yastrebci. So even with the upgrades, it looks like they still aren't really able to hang at the top of the league. However, I I would consider them a playoff lock at this point. Skra Belchatov again, four and three like Rysovia. Still struggling a bit, especially against the the top teams, even though Matthij Binik is having an insane season, leading the league in aces with 20 from the middle blocker position. Not just one of the best servers for a middle blocker, one of the best servers in volleyball. So that's been fun to watch. He had six aces in three sets against Rysava. Yeah, that's a really fun weapon for Mr. Bieniek. Also hitting 63% attack percentage so far. Very nice offensive weapon. Like to see a few more blocks for Bieniek. It seems like he's more focused on the serving and attacking, but um, you know, he's still still a strong blocker if a little slow. Actually, interestingly enough, second place in aces in in Poland right now is Mitch Stahl playing for Stalniassa. So the top two servers in Poland are middle blockers. Love to see it. Like I mentioned at the beginning, the CV Cup and Challenge Cup have started as well, which are basically the second and third club competitions throughout Europe. And this year, as we've mentioned a few times, extremely competitive CV Cup this year with Zenit Kazan, Belchitov, and Modena all playing in the tournament. So I, don't know, I feel like there's more hype around it than usual. And I actually was lucky enough to go to Modena match in Modena on Wednesday where they played Sastamala. So that was an incredible experience. If you guys ever can get out to the Palo Panini in Modena, even for a CV cup match, which you could clearly tell not everyone was taking it super seriously, uh, but it was still a very cool experience. It's still mind boggling to me how uh, seeing a professional volleyball match that people care so much about and take it seriously as a North American, that could definitely be missing from a lot of our lives. Anyway, it was nice to see the Modena team kind of like on the bench. We got to see pretty much every player play. Bruno, Lial got in at the end, Engapet, everyone except for basically Dragon Stankovic, unfortunately. There's been a lot of tension in Modena, as I mentioned. Andrea Gianni's name has been brought up as a potential firing. They are sitting at two and three on the season so far. Some, you know, questionable losses, some, some legitimate losses as well. I think for sure they're still going to be in the playoffs. But I feel like the CV Cup game was pretty important for them to gain a little bit of confidence back. Uh, Namir, we saw, has got a service back during that match. So if he can keep that up, that'll be really important. One thing else I noticed during the game, and thank you, Tommy, for bringing us to this match and getting us those tickets, was, you know, Irvin Engapet is actually, you know, a really good teammate when he's on your team. He's kind of like a, Draymond Green type if you guys watch basketball as well. Everyone on his own team loves him, adores him, and everyone on the other teams hates him because he's the kind of guy that will uh, represent and defend guys on his team. And It seemed like he had a good relationship with some of the younger players on Modena. We saw the middle blocker Giovanni Sanguinetti get a little bit of time. Really big guy. He's listed at 203, but I think he might be even bigger and he's you know very physical player could be interesting definitely going to get picked up for a starting position next year i think in italy Um, but yeah irving engabet was encouraging him there was a nice moment with the backup setter because their their actual backup setter is injured right now so somebody got called up from the youth team guiseppe bellanova and irving engabet was joking with him you know rubbing his shoulders getting him ready for his big appearance in the third set Unfortunately, he didn't get any setting touches, but it was nice to see. So even though Engapet can be controversial, he can be frustrating, he is an Olympic MVP. And I think part of the reason why some of his teams do as well as they do, like the French national team is the sense of camaraderie we see among the team. And I think if Modena wants to have a serious shot this year, I think they need to do everything they can to preserve the peace on the team. But you know, once that serve comes around, they're still, they're still going to be a very strong team. Alright, one of the longer podcasts I've done recently, but there is a lot to get into with the Champions League. Probably my favorite club tournament to watch. I love the Italian Superliga, but the Champions League, seeing the different teams, how they match up against each other across the domestic league. Especially, you know, we've seen them play five, six, seven games so far. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to watch. Uh, remember eurovolley.tv and championsleague.cev.eu if you want to follow the matches. And I will talk to you guys next time.